1: So our podcast is called Right and Wrong.
0: Are these your notes? These (laughs) these your notes
2: about what we're going to say. What does it say? Would
1: be a good. (laughs) I didn't even get to idea. (laughs) Maybe I can just ask you the question.
0: (laughs) It's going well. It's going really well.
2: (laughs) Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I am Jamie.
1: Jamie, I said that was hilarious, and I'm Emma. And today we are speaking to fantasy writer and folklorist Alexandra Beaumont. Her debut novel, um, Testament of the Stars, is out this April. Welcome, Alexandra. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Hiya, nice to be here.
2: Welcome to the podcast. Testament of the Stars sounds really cool. I'm a huge fantasy fan. That's my go-to genre, and uh, this one is. Uh, History inspired with a bit of folklore, am I right in thinking?
3: Yeah, definitely. So I've always been a big history fan and um, I've really loved the Elizabethan era for as long as I can remember, really, which is a bit of a cliche, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, when I started writing fantasy books sort of recently, I sort of bounced around a whole bunch of ideas and I thought... I really had to settle into writing a period of history that I really loved. So I sort of structured the story around the Elizabethan court life, and um, a lot of the beliefs in the Elizabethan era had a lot of astrology as part of it. And so that got me thinking about having a sort of fantasy setting based on the sort of beliefs of elizabethan astrology and how i could turn
2: that into a religion Mm, that's cool hence the title testament of the stars so cool yeah definitely so in terms of research for this it's not um obviously it's fantasy it's not historical fiction so You like history and and I assume that there is a lot of research that went into this, but you don't need to be as spot on as if you were doing historical fiction, but still with some respect to the source material. What was your approach to researching this kind of thing?
3: Yeah. So as you say, you don't need to be as historically sanguine and stick to everything as the letter of history was. Yeah. Um, so my approach, I read a lot about, um, Dr. John Dee and some, who was the court astrologer in the Elizabethan era. Um, and sort of a bit about him and sort of other sort of Elizabethan astrological practices. Um, so that kind of got the research done that I needed for the sort of religious system that I wanted to build for the world. Yeah. Um, then a lot, of what else i did was just sort of refreshing my knowledge of the general atmosphere of, sort of the elizabethan court life and different beliefs and practices so i could really build it into the richness of the world things yeah, like yeah. what the buildings looked like and that sort of thing you know
2: right so, yeah. so in terms of research it was more of like getting a sense of the the kind of feeling so that when you write it down on the page it really feels like uh that that era in time
3: yeah definitely um and when i did my degree which i did in english and creative writing they always said do your research then sort of store 80 percent of it sort of in your back pocket just so you remember it um mm. but don't put it all onto the page otherwise you've sort of created a boring book with lots of detail about sort of the minutiae of every bit of history fact
2: you've <laughs> yeah. looked at um, yeah you've written a textbook
0: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: um how long did it take you to write the book Alex was it two weeks I um, some people take two weeks so I'm just you know impressed by <laughs> you <laughs>
3: Gosh, I mean, two weeks would be the dream. I know, um, really? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, it took me about four months to do the first draft. That's still great. About. It's
1: really good. It's amazing. Yeah. It's
2: a good time.
3: It was my lockdown project last year. I thought if I can't socialise, I'll write a book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's really cool. And had you written books previously to that? Or was this your first crack?
3: Um, this was my first full book that I wrote. Um, but I've written quite a lot of other stuff in the past sort of for my degree, but also sort of short stories here and there. Um, sure. mm. But yeah, this was the first time I'd thought, right, I'm going to write a full length book and see how that goes.
2: Well, that's amazing. First book. And then, and now you're getting it published and I mean, star cults, rebellions, stealing people's thoughts all sounds awesome <laughs> uh, to me and I'm excited to read it.
1: Yeah, same. I think, um, you know, bringing it back to the beginning of your process did did you submit to agents
3: yeah, I did um, and I didn't really know what I was doing, so
2: <laughs> was if anyone a, does
3: yeah exactly no yeah, I mean it's very sort of um different experiences and it? I did submit to some agents um I got a full manuscript request from one of them um and i got a little bit of interest here and there from others mm. um but nothing that sort of really went anywhere right so you're not represented by an agent now are you no i'm not um so i've gone through a small publishing house get dog press um who i found through or found me i should say through a pitch event on twitter i don't know if you've seen much about those in the past
2: oh no no no. tell us about that
3: so um i think uh, there's a lot of them now to be honest and i think that's um grown in i think they've grown in number a lot so basically they are day-long events that happen quite often through the year with various different themes attached to them they you basically you put a tweet long um pitch of your book together sort of ta- with some hashtags that sort of show what genre it is and things like that mm. then agents and publishing houses read through them all and sort of click like on the ones that they want to see a pitch from and then you're sort of pushing on a bit of an open door at that point and can send it through to them and obviously they'll take a bit more interest because they've seen the pitch they know they're interested mm-hmm.
2: That's interesting. So they, they they like the post and then and then that's sort of the that's almost just like the, the red the green flag for you to be let like, go submit to this person.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um and you could obviously you can submit normally anyway to the agents and publishers that sure. take part in these events, but it's just they've seen it already, then so they know what they're looking at when you send it through. Yeah. So it's kind of I guess speeds up the process a little bit maybe.
2: Yeah, you you won't get buried under the uh, the rest of the slush pile.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the dreaded slush pile,
1: literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was um, uh, signing with uh, after you'd signed with Girt Dog? What was the, it like? What was the process with, or what is the process um, working
3: with them? yeah so it's been really great so they have they well they've currently been editing the book um doing a final edit of it um which i've been working through some of the comments and changes on this week um and so that's sort of the main contact we've i've had with them so far sort of you know after we've done all of the stuff like signing the contract and all of that thing um And then also, we're sort of talking about cover design and sort of planning what that's going to look like. Um,
2: How much input are you getting on that?
3: Yeah, a fair bit actually, to be honest. I don't really know how um, it works in bigger publishing houses, but I think one of the things that I've heard a lot of authors say is that if you go through a smaller publishing house, sort of you get a bit more flexibility on that kind of thing
2: which right,
3: right, is yeah. really nice and that sort of suits me quite well for this book. So,
1: yeah, it's good.
2: Yeah, the marketing teams are usually smaller at those, uh, the, the, the more indie presses.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah, so you definitely. You
2: don't have as much red tape that you need to navigate, which is nice. And um, so I'm going to change the subject a little bit here. <laughs> uh, sure. And talk about myself. I am a huge fan of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh D&D tabletop role playing. Hopefully some of the listeners understood understood some of the words I just said. <laughs> and um so I'm familiar with that sort of shared imagination style that freeform storytelling. And I saw on your Twitter bio that you do live role play. uh uh, that's something that I've always been in awe of but way too scared to attempt myself I mean it actually involves going outside which is terrifying (laughs) but uh, how did you how did you get into that uh and what's it like
3: I mean it's great I've done it for I don't know it must be coming up on 20 years now um
2: amazing yeah
3: and um yeah i mean i got into it as most people do because your friends go um right and then you sort of tag along and see what it's like um swing yeah. a sword around a bit and decide <laughs> you really love it yeah. um yeah
2: Cause my only reference for that is uh the movie role models <laughs> and a few videos on youtube um but in terms of like stories and things like that how does it work like do you do you dress up as like different factions and then everyone's kind of free to create their own adventure or is there a sort of pre-written arc like a narrative that's gonna happen and you get to kind of just add some frills around that
3: so it's a bit of both um you go along as the character that you create and you come up with a backstory and what this, that character's interests and story and passion is going to be. Right. And then you take part in the world, which for the system I play, the Lorian Trust, or the main system I play, the Lorian Trust, um, is there's 10 factions that are different countries around the world and you fit into the story of that faction, which will run its sort of own little storylines that are country specific,
2: okay. and then
3: the game itself will have a larger storyline that the organisers put together that overarches sort of all of the different countries. And so oh. there's a lot of different stuff to interact with, um, smaller plots and bigger plots, basically.
2: Very cool. Oh, wow. I like that. Everyone is everyone in on all the stories, or does everyone just know their story? And then you kind of ask, you see the other ones unfolding around you.
3: Uh, you get to pick and choose, really. Um, it, you get as much involved in as you want to, really. So I probably get involved in my factions plot a little bit more than I do the world stuff, for instance. And I okay. quite like that because it suits my character. But yeah. other people are a lot more interested in sort of the big things that are going on in the world sort of the right. wars between and, sort of different nations that sort of thing
2: sounds um, great sounds and now if i can bring it full circle back to your process <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: so, yeah join us today during the jeep celebration event right now get 20 percent below msrp for an average of fifteen thousand one seventy eight under msrp on the purchase of a 2023 jeep grand cherokee overland 4x e or summit 4x e not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4 e models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by one. Jeep is a registered trademark.
2: So as I said, like, you know, for me, I pay, I pay D&D. So that involves me sitting around a table with some friends. Uh, and I find that as like a sort of narrative exercise, a way of like practicing creativity, super helpful, did you find that your you know long participation in live action role play that sort of improv style has influenced or helped your writing in any way?
3: Yeah, I'd say so in that it sort of kept my creative sort of passion for the fantasy genre going yeah. um so yeah, for sure and I think while I wrote stuff before I started LARPing, um, I'd say that it's obviously kept my interest going a lot longer than perhaps it maybe otherwise have, would have done. Mm. And, yeah, there's definitely sort of character traits and sort of snatches of ideas that definitely are sort of helped along by having done the live-action play because I can sort of see – Sort of patterns of stories that different people play and that kind of thing. And I think also writing has kind of helped me develop more detailed characters that I then like to play at role play events. So yeah, helps each other. Yeah, definitely.
2: If you have you do you use the same character or is it often different characters?
3: So at the moment for the system you play one character at a time in the main system I play and. But then in other sort of systems, I've I've played different characters or one-off characters and that kind of thing. So I've done a bit of 1920s Lovecraft themed
1: events. Oh,
2: awesome. Cthulhu stuff yeah completely. exactly that. I feel like i'm such a um, novice
1: to do with this like i'm just sitting here <laughs> like oh i actually don't know what this is about
2: <laughs> let's do I it know. emma you and i dress up we'll go out and
1: yeah i know dragons. i was just gonna say we need to do this i love dragons so you know like, i feel like i'm halfway there um <laughs> yeah definitely I would,
3: i'd recommend it to anyone so for sure try it
1: out <laughs> it sounds so fun as well it sounds great
2: it must be you've been doing this for 20 years with and and you started doing it because your friends were like let's go do it so you it must form a really tight-knit community um are are they some of your closest friends the people that you larp with
3: yeah um it's very big larp is very big (laughs) yeah lots of people right so there's um I don't know, it's Heyday there were thousands of people that came to the system. Wow, so, thousands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's seriously it can get seriously big. Um so yeah, but I would say that um the people that I am closest with are still sort of the people that I've known for a long time through yeah. live role play. Um I mean I met Paul, my partner, through live role playing as well. Oh,
2: that's so brilliant. It's that's
3: something great. we both do. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, yeah. and those are these the people that you potentially share your early draft of your story with? Do you, do you look for people to critique the work before you put it out?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I shared Testament of the Stars with three people in sort of its entirety before I started doing stuff. With it, right? Mm. Um, and one of those was uh, a good friend of mine, Sally, who uh, plays in the same faction as me in the um, Lorien Trust. And oh. she had a read through of it, and she's also writing her own stuff as well. How so oh, was great. really really helpful. Yeah, and had some really insightful stuff to help out with. And then I also gave it to. Uh, One of my closest and oldest friends, Anna, who read through some of it and is a psychologist, so was able to critique the sort of psychological motivations of my characters.
2: Oh, wow, that's um, Which
3: is great. And then, yeah, definitely. And I also gave it to um, a friend of mine, Lizzie, who lives in America and is... um, a really insightful and sort of knowledgeable person when it comes to the publishing industry. Um, so they all read it and also my partner read it, which was, you know, he's an editor, so that was super helpful to Handy. <laughs> so
0: exactly.
1: Of <laughs> um, are you part of any, apart from those people that you spoke about, are you part of any writing groups or
3: societies? Um, not so much, to be honest. Mm. I was obviously part of writing groups when I was at uni because, well, it was helpful and you had to be. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> it was mandatory. Yeah, literally.
3: <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that was great. And I'm still in touch with a couple of people from uni, from those writing groups. And um, one of those, Emma, who also laughs as it happens, had a bit of a read-through um, as well. So, yeah, I've sort of kept some of that legacy writing group contact going. <laughs>
1: well, that's Amazing. good. And are you planning on writing... Um any more books uh, coming up or and within the same style or are you going off piste <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh yeah i have another book that i've started writing and it's called well its working title is called mist birds and it's set in the dark ages cornwall setting so it's a little bit different mm-hmm. as you might guess from um sort of the high life of elizabethan court life um But it's a lot more, it's again, folklore inspired, as you'd be unsurprised to hear. Um, (laughs) But it's a lot more gritty and, um, well, I'd say Testament is also gritty in its own way. But this is a lot more like the dark side of sort of folklore belief in magic and that sort of thing. And yeah, there's, I don't want to sort of spoil too much of it, but
2: (laughs) um,
3: yeah, there's a lot of like nature and sort of, nature magic and that kind of thing
0: okay what
2: kind of um you're obviously very inspired by folklore what kind of books do you read like your kind of favorite books
3: oh i have a very wide taste in books to be honest well that's Um, healthy yeah and um one of my favorites that i can just see on the bookshelf in front of me is um <laughs> the shadow of the wind by uh, carlos ruiz zafón and okay. um that's actually not <laughs> it's not really fantasy it's more mystery but it's set in um barcelona and sort of of and it has a very sort of gothic mysterious style to it oh. so that's been one that's always sort of inspired me cuz it's got this very evocative language to how he writes that sort of really brings to life the mystery um so that's one I've always loved I'm a big fan of Naomi Novik's books
2: yeah yeah. which
3: um sort of I think is one of my reasons for really loving sort of the folklore inspired fantasy because she really weaves it in but not in a very it's quite subtle how she does it. I think.
2: Yeah, um, she doesn't yeah. hit you over the head with it.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I got hooked on her because Paul, my partner, introduced me to uh, Temeraire, which I don't know if you've read, but they're just great, and I would recommend to anybody. Because
2: um, I'll make a note of it. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, it's,
3: it's dragons and naval warfare, and yeah, dragon. you can't go Sounds wrong great.
1: a dragon. <laughs> Just it's the best thing. <laughs> Love anything Absolutely. with a dragon in, you know. I think the first book I read was like Jane and the Dragon when I was like two or something, you know. I I got a little <laughs> picture of me sitting on a stool holding Jane and the Dragon. So you know, dragons are good. And
2: stuck with you all this time. It
1: really has. It really has, Jamie. <laughs> Clearly
2: profound um, effect on your life.
1: <laughs> this, this is it. um And uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you, sorry, Alex, how have you find found your? Um, like writing technique is being sort of changed by the pandemic or has it not have you found that you've wrote more like I know that you said obviously you wrote your your book in last year um do you find that you've got like a a, a, had a momentum within writing um during this time or has it stalled or petered off at any point
3: no, it's really been great for my writing, to be honest um, oh, well, that's
2: good. that's great to hear because that's almost the opposite of what everyone else has said to us. yeah, <laughs> oh,
3: okay really yeah. uh, I can imagine, and I get a lot of people have found sort of the pandemic really hard for creativity, so yeah i feel I feel for those people and sort of understand because it's kind of tricky, isn't it, to sort of feel motivated to do stuff yeah. at the moment, yeah. Um, But yeah, I think the thing that's really helped me is working from home because I can just sort of use the extra time in my day to mm. do some writing. So,
1: yeah. Um, well, and it's the usual way you tackle writing is to just kind of do you just like sit down and just, you know, get on with it for hours? Or is there like a specific technique on how you approach your work?
3: Uh, so, for Testament, I set aside sort of an hour after I'd finished my day job and I said that will be my writing hour and then I'll go off and do whatever else in the evening um so it kind of structured my day so I could make sure I did a little bit every day
2: that's a good approach just pre-planning when you're going to do it so that it's instead of just trying to jog yourself into that you know it's coming
3: yeah definitely yeah and I think the only sort of thing that's changed for me with sort of missed birds that I'm starting to write now is I've spent a lot longer sort of thinking about the nuance of the story and sort of where it's going to go, um, which I think is sort of just experience really of having written one book and sort of realizing how I want to approach the next book. It's given me sort of the things I need know now that I need to think about in more detail before I start writing.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean... I think almost everyone when they when they write their go to write their second book even third fourth that like you learn so much for each novel that you write each piece even just like shorts or novellas
3: yeah definitely
2: if you were to go back in time and meet a younger version of yourself what advice would you share in helping them, you know, with their writing or, or, or then getting published?
3: Uh, interesting question. I think probably <laughs> yeah. what I might have said to teenage me is it's great. You wrote so much fan fiction and that really helped <laughs> you, but please also write something original. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, joking aside, I mean, I'd just say like, trying to write stuff and just giving it a go and even i mean to be honest fan fiction is a very valid style of practicing things and sort of get used to your writing style yeah. so like those years weren't wasted at all for sure i would just sort of i think i would just sort of say sort of like think about what really appeals to you in terms of the story and the world that you want to build and it can be inspired by other stories because ultimately everything is derivative these days, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, but I think I would have just sort of encouraged myself to have more confidence in the worlds that I could create rather than living entirely in other people's ones.
0: It's
2: mm. good advice. That's Very helpful. Although yeah. important to remember that some fan fiction becomes multi-million dollar franchises, a la Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is certainly, yeah, something very sort of special and unusual happens in that space, right? <laughs> yeah, that is true.
2: And I think that yeah. brings us to our final question.
1: It does. This is my favourite question, by the way, Alex, but not probably yours. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, so if you were to be marooned on a desert island, um, what one book would you bring
3: with you? Uh, <laughs> um how to escape a desert island. How
2: do, oh, I've not heard have, of that one.
3: Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> you probably want an actual book you?
1: <laughs> If there is a book called How to Escape Desert Island, I think I would bring that as well because that's pretty uh <laughs> pretty handy stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I would probably bring with me. I don't know, there's so many favourite books, so it's really hard to pick. <laughs> I can feel the pain in your voice. I, I literally you're like, why? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: you're suffering.
3: Just suffering. I have a couple of books that I'm really looking forward to reading, actually. Yeah. Um, and one of those is um, Sister Song, which is based on a folk ballad about, um, I think it's Two Sisters, the Two Sisters folk ballad, which I think is sort of a very, like, um, sad story I think and this author she's written a book uh, um, about that folk ballad called Sister Song and I'm really looking forward to reading it so if oh, I did cool. it where I got marooned on this uh, island that that book had arrived it's Sister Song by Lucy Holland um, I would have brought that one with me I think because I'm really keen to read that well there
1: Dangerous. you go. you're risking
2: <laughs> being stranded on unlined with a book you've never read. You might hate it.
3: <laughs> I know, imagine. I might, but <laughs> I'm pretty confident it sounds you're amazing. For, well, fingers the crossed. The challenge, literally.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. This has been this has been such a great interview. I've really loved uh, chatting with you.
3: Yeah, no worries. It's been great to meet you both. And I definitely yeah. encourage you to try out laughing when uh, lockdown ends. Oh,
2: 100%. Yes. I'm yes. going to give really Emma build. a sword and a shield. We're going to get out there, create our characters.
1: <laughs> oh dear, this is going to be brilliant. It's going to be like a comedy I'm ready year. for
2: it. I've been ready for it for years. <laughs>
1: I don't know whether I've been ready for it for years. It's the best way. I like dragons, so
2: that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I think that's all I've said throughout this whole interview yeah. is I like dragons, so. <laughs> I'm Emma
1: and I like dragons. <laughs> yeah, literally.
2: To keep up with everything that Alex is doing, you can follow her on Twitter at A Beaumont Writer or on Instagram at A Beaumont Writes. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you in the next one.